Revolutionary.org, episode 547. Today we're going to do the KISS, Keep It Simple Stupid, KISS principle for training and how do we do this. So Momster is our training guru on the forum. He's been doing this longer than many of us have been alive and he's trained yeah. probably thousands and thousands of hours worth of experience with other people that he's trained with both past and present and future, you know, so he's got a lot of information to share. So this is the one for you. If you want to learn about KISS. So Mobster, what, first of all, tell us about a little training story about the dumbbells uh, you were telling me on the pre-show. I think a lot of the listeners would find that an interesting story. So I posted a photograph on the forum yesterday of some toys that I went to collect. And when I say toys, I'm talking about a pair of, I weighed them afterwards, Steve, 203 pound dumbbells. They were supposed to be 90 kilos, but they're heavier and a pair of 50 kilo or 110 pound plates. Why Why do I need this crazy stuff? A, because I do. And B, because stupid stuff like the machine that the 50 kilo, 110 pound plates are going to go on. I'm lucky that there's a decent lead for varia to load the plates onto, but with the gym that we were at yesterday, the similar machine with shorter, shorter, and I just need the big fuck off plates so that I can load serious, serious fucked up crazy weight onto these machines. So, I haven't tried this morning. I've just moved them around the gym, but I reckon I can probably get 600 kilos if I had more 50-kilo plates. So that's 1,300, 1,400 pounds onto that machine. And as it is, I'm already using that machine with a bar stuck on the front and held on with rubber bands and I can load weights onto that bar. So it's it's fucked up crazy shit. So the story I was telling uh, Stephen as pre-show was I do hammer curls Loose, it has to be. This is a big cheating with a huge, huge weight, Steve. We've I've done a hundred kilos in the past, two hundred and twenty pound hammer curls. Which and there's a photograph you can find on my Instagram. I think I put a picture on the forum of me doing the nineties and the new nineties, used nineties. I, I tried one this morning, Steve, and the balance is just horrendous. It's just like you. I picked it up with with a strap. It has to be said because I'm going to be throwing this weight around. I, I don't want to rely on my grip regardless of how good that is. And it's just like, this is awful, man. This is awful. I'm going to hit myself in the face. I'm going to fall over. I'm going to be, the dumbbell's going to pull me halfway across the room. It's just, it's just like, you know, weightlifters problems. You know, I'm moaning about being crazy strong and having these huge, huge weights, but I'm fighting the balance. So I actually went back to a dumbbell that I've got plates loaded onto, which is probably slightly heavier, probably another uh, two or three pounds more. So, one or 205 pounds or something, but it's slightly more weight on one side and it's a little bit longer. So I just push my hand up against the quote unquote light end and, and I get a few reps with that. But it's a weightlifters, old man, strong man problems. You know what I mean? When you're too strong for kit and, and the weights are weights are just crazy, crazy heavy. I will say that just as a finish here, Steve, I mean, you talked also about this in another show and, and, and pre shows that we've done before where you don't imagine when you start the journey of lifting and training and getting into shape and be competing on whatever it is that your your aim with weights in the gym is, you never imagine, except perhaps in your dreams, and that's only after a little while, that you're going to have these kind of problems. So it's, it's fucked up. It's fun. I'll probably get used to them because I've literally only arrived yesterday and I'll stop bitching in a few months and when I'm throwing those weights around and, 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 and you know, grimacing because it's still goddamn heavy, but smiling because I've, I've I've sort of beaten them, I've conquered them, and I've got used to them. So, yeah, old man problems. 
Now, K-I-S-S, as Steve said, keep it simple, stupid, or if you're very polite, keep it simple, silly, for training. So I'm going to start with what do I mean with regards to that for training? And it's, it's, it's kind of simple again, Steve. Um, most, let's say, if you're really, really skinny or you're really, really overweight, um, just do the basics. If you're a mesomorph, which is naturally muscular, genetically inclined to look athletic, etc., it's slightly different. But why why do you need to keep it simple if you're in another? Why do you need to keep it simple if you're ecto, skinny or fat? You don't need to be doing kickbacks. You, you need to be doing skull crushes. You need to be doing dips. And there's a great big thing, which I'm probably going to bang this drum real hard today, Steve. Most of us, and I include myself sometimes, Right, my leg workouts is a great example. There's only four exercises, Steve. It's typically some squat variant, some leg press variant. Uh, we've got different machines here and at the gym that I go to for leg curls and some sort of leg extension. Okay, and again, it depends where I am, where I'm training, or whatever. I can pin weights to my my stack here. I can make it crazy hard. The seats are crazy incline, whatever. But do I do my absolute best to get the most I possibly can out of squats? And the short answer is no. If you want to see someone that does just one exercise into oblivion and gets the most you've ever seen out of it in your life, guys, go on YouTube and check out Tom Platt's training squats or any exercise, but specifically squats. First, he talks with this amazing passion, and then he does this stuff. And people that have trained with him, and I'm thinking of Lee Priest helping him in the gym, and talking about watching him train and spotting him. I think he did one like an arm workout or something. He says it was like 10 minutes just on curls. Uh, and it was like, you know, three minutes just on a set, Steve, because he would start off warming up. And then he would get to some kind of crazy weight for Tom. And it would start off with full range reps. And you could see Tom's up bicep swelling. And this is Lee Priest with some of the best arms in the world. And he says... Three minutes later, he's still trying to move his arm. He's still trying to get his arm away from the body. It's like almost vibrating at the bottom. The, the, the arm looks like it's going to come off the bone. It's, it's bloated like you would not believe. And he's still trying to move it. He's still trying to sort of pound the fuck out of his biceps. Now, really, that's not recommended because you're gonna. it's a small, small muscle. And to put that kind of intensity into that was a bit crazy. But if you apply that kind of intensity to squats, Steve, you know this. You are going to blow the fuck up. You are going, it's just about as metabolic an impact on your body as it's possible to have. If you rest right after that workout, if you feed as soon as you possibly can after that workout, as soon as your body's calmed the fuck down, and you did no ever exercise that day, and you train like that, I think Tom ended up every two weeks doing squats at some point. Once a month, I think, was at the extreme end when his legs were just about as crazy as possible to be. But he was doing his workouts every time he'd done it. You, you're going to have the best set of quads, the best glutes, the best whatever you've ever had in your life because you've learned how to get the absolute most out of one single exercise. So if you've got a skinny guy, someone who's just coming new to the gym and they've picked up, say, a men's fitness or muscular development or any of the old school magazines back in the day that still existed then, and he's read, oh, Joe Blow's got a Mr. Title, and Joe does 18 exercises and 10 sets. And he goes, well, that's what Joe looks like. That's what I should be doing. It is a huge, huge mistake. It's readable. It's exciting. It gets the juices going. But your, your skinny guy absolutely should not be doing that. He should be learning to go ask the grass, getting the most he possibly can, 
trying to squat till he falls over uh, and, and just getting the absolute maximum he possibly can out of a single, single exercise. And that is just about as simple a leg workout as you can possibly get. Have you done, I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions here, Steve, because I want you to jump in for a second. Give me an example of when you very first started training and compare it to now. Was your training then simple when you made your most gains? What? How did you learn to get the most out of an exercise? Let's hear your thoughts. Oh, my gosh. So when I first started training, really 14, 15 years old, I just had some weights in the garage. So it had to be simple. I mean, I didn't have access to the gyms that we have today. In the, town, in the town I grew up in, we didn't even have a gym, believe it or not. So the closest gym to me would have been an hour. And obviously, I, didn't, I wasn't driving at the time or anything. Obviously, I wasn't going to drive an hour to go to a gym. And obviously... You know, I, I don't know what the rules were on, on those gyms back then, but I know today any legitimate meathead gym, they're not going to let in a 14 or 15 year old train. Um, so, I mean, some of the franchise gyms today will, especially like if you know the manager and, you you know, you show the ability not to go in there and, and, you know, be, you know, do dumb things and hurt yourself because they don't want the liability. Right. But. I know like legitimate meathead gyms, you really got to be at least 18 uh, years old. I mean, they don't want kids running around in there. We're not talking about YMCA here. So, <clears throat> so you know, that's how I started. So I had to. Then I started training at like a civic center. We had our first little gym. It was a crappy civic center. Machines, very few. Uh, they had a hammer, hammer strength machines. That's about it when it came to the anything. And, and they had dumbbells. But the dumbbells, I think the hot, the heaviest dumbbells, like 50 pounds. So, I mean, there wasn't many options. When I first started training, I really the legit place was my high school gym. And, and we had one of the top high school programs, football programs. And uh, so we had a really good gym there. And I was lucky enough to have a, a weightlifting coach who I also happened to be one of the football coaches. And he basically just put me in front of him and he said, OK, Steve, you know, this is how you do a clean and jerk. And he showed me this is how you properly do a bench press. And he showed me this is how you properly do militaries. And he showed me. So he'd show me. And I was like, and right away, I, you know, I picked it up. And that's a nice thing about being young is that you pick up your it's easier to teach someone who's young because you pick things up so, so quick. And I picked it up like instantly and I started doing them. So I was very lucky I had a coach. But let's say I had a coach who was a moron or I had no coach at all. Where would I be learning from? I'd be learning from other people. And that may not be the best place to learn. So, but that's what we did. And he basically taught us split routines. He taught us how to build consistency at a lower weight before moving up. So he taught us a lot of things and kept things simple. So a lot of times you're going to just simply get results over time by keeping things simple and having a, a plan and having a blueprint, you don't have to complicate things. And I think that's what you're getting at, Mobster, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, let me give you an example. You mentioned an exercise in there, and I'll, I'll preface this, guys, by talking about what's known as the compounds. And what are the compounds? Compounds are the really, really big exercises that work the muscle the most. Okay, it's not These are not shaping exercises. So a good example of an exercise that Steve mentioned was the military press. Military press is a strict, high incline. You can do it standing or seated uh, to the front or to the back. I would prefer the front because I think over time you're going you're gonna to fuck your shoulders up doing it to the back. You've just got to be good flexibility there and you're pushing your head forward. So let's say seated front military press. What does this do? This is working 
pretty much all three heads of your of your delts. That's the posterior, the ones at the back, anterior, the ones at the front, and your lateral heads. So all three heads of the delt are getting worked. Now, arguably, uh, I would actually say it's probably more lateral and front delt than rear delt. So there's other stuff that you can do. But again, I would have you preface that by doing the press first and working the exercise hard. And there's a good mark in the sand, guys. And I'm taking this from some books back in, back in the day and, and more recently. If you are a average height, average weight, so about, I think it's a little bit under six feet now, both America and the UK, around 5'10", 5'11", uh, and around 160, 170 pounds-ish. At some point, and I don't mean it's immediately, guys, at some point you should work up to around, a really good mark in the sand is about 200 pounds. Even 100 pounds for reps is good. Low repetitions, and if, especially when you've got a few, year, few, months, a few years under your belt, you're looking for around 200 pounds as a, as, as that's going to kind of put you in a, in a, 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 a the top five percent of pretty much every gym in the country. Now, obviously, we know freaks of nature out there that are doing crazy weights, but you're going to have thick triceps from doing this. You're going to have strong shoulders. You're going to fill out your shirts, whether that's a dress shirt out and about clubbing down at a restaurant on a date, or whether it's a t-shirt uniform. You're going to fill out your uniform. You're going to if you're if you're a copper. A policeman, as they say, like uh, uh, Roddy Cumble was back in the day, you're going to fill out that uniform. Even if you're just a guy that's changing plugs at the office, you're going to fill out your uniform, and you're going to fill out that uniform. You're going to have that kind of 3D thing going on. Now, at some point, there might well be a thing where you go, do you know what, my rear delts need a little bit more, and we can start to throw in an exercise. But for the great and vast majority of you, I'm telling you, especially, I'm going to say for roughly the first two years, Steve, I would get you as good and strong as possible on a, a seated or a standing press. any There's lots of variations out there. Is it a great example of why this is such an awesome exercise? Why do we see some sort of press variation used every single year? Right now, as we do this podcast, I think this day two of the World's Strongest Man competition, you're going to see that on TV at Christmas as we record this. But there's always a press variation in there, Steve, because it's literally one of those Shoulders make of the man. If you can press heavy weights above your head, normally because you've had to pick the damn things off the floor as well, then then you've got some power. Then you've got some strength. And, and guys, who hasn't done some sort of work around the house where at some point even just get down? Steve, I've been like this with decorating. My delts have been on fire just painting the walls because it's above head height. So that kind of uh, strength, that kind of uh, ability to take work in the shoulder comes in useful in daily life. You don't think it does, but if you're doing some DIY, you're doing some stuff around the house, help Steve, if you're just picking up your kids and throwing them in the air, shoulder power is there. And that's just a great example of a single exercise. As a good example, again, um, I would choose easy bar curls or dumbbell curls over a concentration curl. And again, why? Why? Because a concentration curl is to bring that little peak out. It's to give you that tiny little rounded baseball-shaped muscle that you see on the top professionals when they're cut. And I've, as a good example of this, with that kind of bicep, I'm thinking of uh, Robbie Robinson back in the day. And he, he is a thing that certain poses. It was like a, a baseball underneath his skin. Now, guys, what is the use of working something like that real, real hard to bring out that baseball pop when your arm's 12 inches? So if, if you're a midget, maybe that's fine. But if you're a normal height, normal weight, athlete, male or female, 
hitting the gym, the last thing you need to do from day one is the detail exercises. The only reason people do them, Steve, is because the big exercises, the, the hard exercises, the simple exercises, and they are simple exercises, once you've handled a little bit of coaching, like Steve said, if you get a great coach, even better, is that those exercises are fucking brutal. And they're brutal because they're working the most muscle. They're brutal because you have to work up the big poundages relative to your strength. What might be big for me might be horrendously big for you, but it's big for you. And they're the ones that are, are smashing your central nervous system. They're the ones that are impacting your ability to recover. And they do that because you are doing the most work. To use a phrase, Steve, they're giving you the most bang for your buck. Now, if I've got, like many people, I don't work for a living, Steve. I don't have to do a day job. But lots of our listeners do. They're at college. They're at school. They're having day jobs. They're, they're in construction. They're in an office. They're already doing eight, ten hours work a day. They do not have hours to spend in a gym. So, again, most bang for your buck. If, and let's use your shoulders again, keeping it real, real, real simple, but working it real hard. Straight after work, straight after school, straight after college, straight after whatever, boom, you're there. You've got an hour, hour and a half tops, and that includes travelling time to go back home, get some food on, uh, say hi to the missus and kids, whatever it is when you get when you get indoors. Press, press, and press again. I would probably do at least three, four sets of pressing, like said, seat standing machine press, hammer strength press, or whatever, dumbbell or barbell. Work those shoulders super hard. And that's probably only going to take you 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And that's having a nice long rest between sets. Now you've got a solid half hour. Now you can do stuff like rear delts, face pulls, bent over lateral raises, and stuff like that, Steve. Upright rows, tiny in the trap muscles into your delts. These are the things. This is the stuff. It's like, what do we, what's the phrase I think you used on a previous podcast? You're building your foundation. And your foundation's just... It's just simple, simple stuff. You know, we don't start building skyscrapers and all this convoluted stuff and these amazing structures that we can build in modern times without a solid-ass foundation. So, And solid-ass foundations, when it comes to training, come from the simplest exercise. So it's just that kind of stuff. I, I, I could talk, for example, Steve, if you don't mind, about the whole high-intensity stuff. I could talk about uh, Arthur Jones and the stuff that he was doing with uh, the Nautilus and the Nautilus machines. And as, as examples for that, again, uh, you can find online Casey Viator's, uh, I think it was called the Colorado Experiment, which was actually done for a university. And they had him training one of the workouts. I think he trained seven times, something like that, eight times in 20 days, which sounds fucked up. And you can look at the leg workout that he did. Now, he had assistance in the gym. People were changing weights. They were literally getting him out of the machine and walking him over. They were giving him water. They were doing his heart rate. But he had to do all the work. And the, the leg workout that he'd done was legendary. It took him 25 minutes. The numbers on that leg workout, both poundages and reps, are all decent numbers that the rest of us would likely be able to take an hour and a half to two hours for. And he did this workout in 25 minutes. He just It was just complete intensity. So there is another reason why you want to keep stuff simple and use those compounds. Now, intensity is a real, real hard word to define because I can have a burning sensation, and I'll use that exercise again from concentration curls, in my biceps that feels like they're on fire. And the lactic acid is just horrendous. 
the burn is just crazy. But the pump I get from stupid great big weights on a heavy cheating curl or easy bar curl or hammer curls or alternate curls is a whole muscle, big central nervous system impact compared to those concentration curls. My sense of intensity is different. And, and there's ways and means of measuring this stuff, guys. It's a bit scientific, and I want to—I don't want to go too much into detail, but sufficient to say they've done this with MRI, Steve. They've done it with uh, people grading the numbers themselves. They've done it with uh, electrodes on the skin to measure the activity. They've even done X-rays and stuff like this, and they—they they look at the exercises that have had the greatest impact. For example, again, concentration curls will not fuck your central nervous system. They won't make you huff and puff. They're not going to exhaust you. Your ability to do other work afterwards, as a comparison, how many calories are burned, how much glycogen was used, and all that kind of stuff will be minimal, regardless of how much it hurt to flex that bicep at the top of the movement with your 10 or your 20 or your 30-pound dumbbell. But me throwing around, as an example for myself, huge dumbbells, is going to fuck, I'm going to be huffing, I'm huffing, my heart's going to be going, my blood pressure's going to be sky high for a few minutes. And it's going to, it's going to, it's just that impact, Steve. Give us a few thoughts of your own. Well, I was going to ask you some questions. Um, so I wanted to ask you to follow up on some of the stuff that we've talked about. What would you have to say to someone who's new to weight training, where they can kind of keep things simple? I talked about when I first got into it, it was a little complicated. And I had to kind of, it took me a couple years. It took me a couple years to really find my groove where I was getting, you know, maximum results, you know? And um, so it was basically, I almost felt like I was dartboard training where I would just go to my crappy gym or go to my garage where I had just a, a few weights and do the best thing I could with that. But nowadays, Guys have access to, you know, much better facilities. Even if you live in the middle of nowhere, you probably still have at least like a planet fitness around the corner. So you can I mean, still get I mean, in somewhere. Sense. So what, what would be, yeah, what would be a simple thing for yeah. someone starting out new to keep things simple when it comes to weight training so they can get results. I, I had the same start as you and, and think about what you said as well, right? The, the simple fact of the matter is you had to keep it simple because you didn't have access to much. So you got a lot out of the little bit that you had. So that's number one. Number two is at some point, and you've mentioned this earlier on, someone showed you how to do shit. I mean, literally, I, I can do this now. We, when we had the COVID thing, I had a fellow around Keith Williams, and Keith was great at explaining how to get the maximum out of certain exercises. And if you could find an old school coach, powerlifting, the strength coach is actually really, really good for doing the movements properly. So that's number one getting the most out of the exercise in terms of the little tiny tweaks. So you're just literally learning. And again, let's use, let's use uh, alternate dumbbell curls, right? Um, someone's shown you how to do alternate dumbbell curls. So you're not throwing them around. You're actually using your bicep. You're slowing the movement down, turning the hand over at the top. So it's twisting and flexing that bicep at the top, learning how to lower the weight slowly. And it sounds bloody obvious, Steve, and there's a million videos and books on this subject and we could and, and yet sometimes having someone as you did and i did show you in person has such a greater impact so one of the things that you've actually done as a, a simple approach is minimal access 
to equipment. It's nice to have access to lots of different equipment, but it ultimately you can dilute those things if you don't know how to get the most out of them. Definitely, and we've, this is a recommendation we've seen in the forums, a couple of sessions with a good PT, someone that other people have recommended, a strength coach, someone at college, uh, a sports coach, someone who's got some strength qualifications, shows you where to place your feet, shows you how to flex, for example, on on who flexes their quads on squats? Almost no one, because it's so goddamn awful. But if you do, if you can at the top of the movement when you're tired, when it's getting hard, and you can flex your quads, you're going to get more out of the movement. And it's that kind of thing that a good strength coach, a good PT, someone who's putting people through. If you want, I'll tell you what I would be looking for. I want a person where the customers are coming at the gym soaked in sweat, grateful as all hell, and they're getting that shape because that person's putting them through the grinder. He's, he's making them learn that stuff. And sometimes, and I think you and I have talked about this previously, going to an old school gym, even if it's only for a few months, Steve, because you'll see people working hard. There won't be too many mobile phones. There won't be too many AirPods. There'll be some shit. Sometimes the music is horrendous, right? But everybody's grinded. Everybody's in their graph and they're wearing raggy ass training tops and whatever else. And what we learn to do in those gyms, it's like a foundation for us. It's like an apprenticeship. And you had it and I had it. So we had next to no equipment. We learned how to get the most out of a bar, but we learned how to get the most out of a little setup that we had in the garage or in the cellar or in the outhouse or whatever. And we had no choice but to learn that. And then we got someone to show us the ropes, someone of the experience, someone who knew how to do these things. And they like the fact that you're training hard, that they're putting you through it and you improve. They like the fact that you're improving and you're going, this person showed me everything I needed to know how to get the most out of the least. So it's that kind of thing, which is absolutely great. Uh, if do you then, if you take that, if you take that knowledge and you take that experience, your apprenticeship, guys, your 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 schooling, and then you apply it to other exercises, then you go to a gym where there's four, five, six, ten different kinds of ways of working your chest. You're able, better able to get the most out of those exercises because you've done a real, real simple approach that's taught you all you needed to know. I, I'll give you a great example, Steve. Bench press the chest. I've done this with people a million times. Real simple. Right. So is the bench press the best exercise for building pectoral muscles? And a short answer is no. But if all you've got is a barbell and a, and a little bench in your garage, in your shed, in your, underneath the veranda outside of your house, in the garden, in the gazebo, whatever else, in a tent, God help you, then I can get you to do things like putting one end of the bench up. So now it's the, the, the place that's moved from lower down your chest to the middle of your chest. Then I can do stuff like having you pull your hands together as you push the weight above your head. Now you're engaging your chest more. You've got no choice. You haven't got a set of dumbbells. You haven't got a fly machine. You haven't got some sort of vertical bench press. You've got no other machines, no access to nothing else. But all of a sudden, you've learned to engage your chest, isolate your chest just from bench press. And that is a real KISS approach. If you can do that, if you've learned to engage your chest the way that we've talked about, and then you go to a gym where there's 14 different ways of hitting your chest, 20 different ways of hitting your chest, four different angles, and dumbbells from like no, no weight whatsoever to 200 pounds, and, and, and you know, stacks on a machine at 450 pounds, and pec decks, and, and high incline, bioso lateral hammer machines, and all that kind of stuff. 
you know how to apply what you've learned. But to be perfectly honest, guys, I would even go back again on it and say that if sometimes when we've got accident stuff, it dilutes it. Because we've got guys are even worse than women for this in that we kind of want to do three different exercises when we don't need to. We want to do these other machines like we know. We'll show guys how we've mastered, mastered that machine. And let's be honest again, guys, it's one of those kind of situations where the KISS approach applies, especially because you're doing a shaping exercise when you've got nothing to shape and you're doing a shaping exercise, for example, hitting the top of your chest when maybe you needed to hit the bottom. Maybe you needed to hit the pec delt tie-in. Maybe you needed a, a good eye, a training buddy, a coach, a PT, and say, hey, why, why are you doing high incline? Look at this. Let's work on the outer part of your chest. Let's try and put some muscle in there if we can. And again, I will touch on this as well, Steve. And I mentioned it right at the beginning of the podcast when I talked about ecto, endo, and meso. Now, meso is a naturally muscular, athletic-looking individual. They are the ones I think that get the greatest benefits from shaping exercises. And even then, I've seen photographs of top professional bodybuilders when they were young. And a great example, one that springs to mind as we do this podcast, is a young Dexter Jackson. I think he was a flyweight, like 130 pounds or something, when he started. You could do Kai Green, all very similar physique to uh, Dexter when he started. At both of them muscular, but very slim. And then you looked at them years later as professional bodybuilders. The shape of their muscle, bearing in mind they would have done a lot of shaping exercises in between, had not changed. What has happened is they just got more of what they already had. They had shapely delts, but they, they were big shapely delts. They had shapely arms, they had bigger shapely arms. And all that they've done is de-emphasize some exercises and emphasize others. The shape of the muscle, quote unquote, shaping exercises, had done nothing to alter the genetic shape that they had already. Now, as an example, if Dexter had only trained his delts, and never trained his biceps to triceps. He looked weird. So what he needs to do, what most of us need to do, is have that balance. Look at ourselves with an analytical eye and just make one muscle so it balances with the other, so you have an aesthetic look on stage. Do you need to do, or did Dexter need to do, a million different exercises? Probably not. The main reason that we sometimes do it is because it's just better than doing the same thing again and again, and again. But then I'll go back to what we talked about at the beginning. Learn to get as much as you possibly can out of the basics, and then only do the other exercises. Absolutely. And I think I'm at this point myself now, Steve, where I don't do the same back exercises when I hit the gym, purely and simply because I'm able to pound one exercise one week and then rest that exercise, if you like, by doing something else. And that's probably as much for mental stimulus as it for phys phys physical and muscular stimulus. But de definitely, guys, I'll re reiterate something that we said right at the beginning. Steve and I have touched upon this. Learn to get what you can from the basics with the least amount of equipment, pair of dumbbells under your bed, whatever. And if you can do it, and especially if you're young, you might need to save up a few bucks, save up 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks and get a good, solid foundational training from a good PT or strength coach. And then take that and apply it to yourself. I would say, what would you say, Steve? 12 months, 6 months, 12 months, just working the basics, whole body stuff, 
No, absolutely try not to do more than two exercises of body part for about 12 months and see what you look like at the end versus the beginning. And I guarantee if you've learned to work those exercises hard, if you've added muscle, if you've got stronger, if you've had good coaching, if you've had a decent uh, training buddy who's got a bit of experience and you've just done, like I said, two exercises of the chest, two exercises of the back for 12 months, what do you think, Steve, before we finish? Yeah, and definitely, and, and you know, we, we're going to definitely talk about this more. We've talked about this in past podcasts, too, so check those out. But Mobster, you know, he's a wealth of information. Come on the forum. He's got a log going, uh, posting his log, ask questions, post up threads, ask questions, and he'll always be there to answer you. But I think I think the guys have learned a lot in this in this podcast. Um, we can definitely talk about this for hours and hours and hours, and it's uh, it's one of those things that can be – you know, um, can, there's all kinds of strategies for this, but at the end of the day, I think uh, you got to go. You know, keeping it simple is is going to be the biggest solution. Have a common denominator of consistency, the hours yeah. you put in, but it's got to be good time. Don't. My final thoughts on this is: don't waste your time in the gym. Don't take your phone to the gym. Don't go with a bunch of friends to the gym. Waste your time socializing. Waste your t- time on the phone playing with your phone. Uh, there was a guy the other day at the gym. I think it was two days ago. He was on the machine. He was actually playing a, a video game on his on his phone. It's like, dude, leave your phone in your car. You don't need your phone with you. Um, it's it's just completely not necessary, and it's just distracting your mind while you train. Can you imagine our ancestors when they went to battle, actually <laughs> taking a handheld phone in front of them and 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 battling? Or today, I mean, the people fighting wars. You, you can imagine having them in, an iPad in front of them or I or iPhone or whatever, or, or whatever, and playing a, a game as they're in battle. doesn't make any sense. So your your workout is kind of like that. It's a battle. It's it's basically your your primal instincts while you are training. So let your mind focus just on that. All right, Mobster, take us uh, f- final thoughts. Take us a disclaimer. Great show. Definitely, Steve. I agree a thousand and one percent here, guys. And again, like Steve says, we can expand on this in future podcasts. I'd like to, especially the specifics and learning how to get the most out of an exercise. And I can give you, it's hard to do verbally, but we'll try. So look for those coming in the future. Please note, we are not doctors and the, the opinions are ours. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic, a podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.